Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, October the 12th, 2018. We are reading from the big book, and we are on page 136, chapter 10 to employers. We'll be starting with Among Many Employers Nowadays, reading through six paragraphs, ending with by better understanding all around. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lisa L, 12 Traditions, Sakira J, and readers of the text, Craig F, Lauren N, and Madeline R. The reference numbers for Thursday, October the 11th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 12031, and the 10 a.m. meeting, one two zero three three. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Lisa L. from Brooklyn, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa L. And Zakia. Jay, yes, thank you. Tradition. Thank you so much. 
I'm Zakia, a recovering compulsive overeater. Glad to be here. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Tradition 1, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depend upon OA Unity 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups of OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lease, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should be remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relationship relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve and on mute. Thank you, Zakia J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 136, chapter 10 to employers, the first paragraph, among many employers nowadays, through six paragraphs ending with help by better understanding all around and commenting on all six paragraphs. 
Craig F., would you start us off, please? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Oh, thank you. All right. This is Craig F., recovered from Tulsa, Oklahoma, but today I'm in snowy Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, among many employers, we think of one member who has spent much of his life in the world of big business. He has hired and fired hundreds of men. He knows the alcoholic and, the, and, the, and as the employer sees him. His present views ought to prove exceptionally useful to businessmen everywhere, but let him tell you. I was at one time an assistant manager of a corporation, of a corporation department employing 6,600 men. One day my secretary came in saying that Mr. B insisted on speaking with me. I told her that I was not interested. I had warned him several times. He had but one more chance. Not long afterwards, he had called me from Hartford on two successive days, so drunk he could hardly speak. I told him he was through, finally and forever. My secretary returned to say it was not Mr. B on the phone. It was Mr. B's brother, and he wished to give me a message. I still, I still expected a plea for clemency, but these words came through the receiver. I just wanted to tell you, Paul jumped from a hotel window in Hartford last Saturday. He left us a note saying you were the best boss he ever had and that you were not to blame in any way. Another time, as I opened the letter which lay on my desk, a newspaper clipping fell out. It was the obituary of one of the best salesmen I ever had. After two weeks of drinking, he had <coughs> excuse me, placed his toe on the trigger of a loaded shotgun. The barrel was in his mouth. I had discharged him for drinking six weeks before. Still another experience, a woman's voice came faintly over the long distance from Virginia. She wanted to know if her husband's company insurance was still in force. Four days before, he had hanged himself in his woodshed. I had been obliged to discharge him for drinking. He was brilliant, alert, and one of the best organizers I've ever known. Here were three exceptional men lost to the world because I did not understand alcoholism as I do now. What irony, I became an alcoholic myself. And but for the intervention of an understanding person, I might have followed in their footsteps. My downfall cost the business community unknown thousands of dollars, for it takes real money to train a man for an executive position. This kind of waste goes on, uh, goes on unabated. We think the business fabric is shot through with a situation which might be helped by better understanding all around. Okay. Um, you know, the, the thing that really jumps out to me about this is uh, uh, that he, he's uh, saying that there were these three exceptional men lost the world because he didn't understand alcoholism. And, you know, there's a balance here. Um, it is nice, uh, it is good to uh, for there to be understanding people, people that know uh, what to do and what to say in situations. But, you know, these people didn't commit suicide because he didn't understand alcoholism. Um, you know, we... Sometimes it's we get um, to thinking that we have control over those kinds of situations, and and uh, we take credit where, you know, what if those three men had recovered because of something he had said? You know, did, was he 
was he responsible for their recovery? Uh, I I don't think so. You know, uh, I I had to, I had a sponsee that uh, was duly addicted, and he he went back out and uh, he overdosed and he died. And and you know, I spent a lot of time flagellating myself if I would have said the right things, if I'd have been, uh, um, you know more recover, recovered myself if I'd have done this or if I'd have done that. And the fact is, the man, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not God, you know. I, I'm not in charge of his recovery. I, I'm, a, I, I'm a witness. I, I, I'm a, a grateful witness to people's recovery. And, you know, I have sponsees that come to me and, and recover, and I have sponsees that come to me and aren't ready yet. And, uh, uh, you know, there's nothing I can do to make somebody ready, and when they're ready, there's n- there's nothing I can do to uh, stop them. You know, I might affect the quality and speed, but the fact is that it it comes down to that person and their and and their readiness, their willingness, and their open mindedness. It comes and the fact that they had the disease is none of my uh, my doing either. So um, I. I, I had to stop with that, um, you know. But on the other hand, uh, it is good, you know. The more, the more I learn, the more recovered I become. The, the more I'm able to help with the quality and the speed of the of the recovery of somebody that is ready, that uh, that wants this message, that wants what we have. Uh, I I, uh, I gather stories and and gather ideas and and, and information. From you all, I, I gather it from the book, and uh, you know that's part of my uh, charge in life is to become ready to help. But I'm not responsible for the outcome in their life any more than I'm responsible for the outcomes in my life. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig S. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Lisa B. from Boston. Okay, let me tell you who I got. I got a bunch of people all there at once, and we'll see if I missed anybody. I got Lisa B., Harlan G., Katie G., Larry K., Matt M., and I think I missed somebody. Linda M. Perfect. There's a great lineup. So we've got Lisa B, Harlan G, Katie G, Larry K, Matt M, and Linda M. Lisa B, could you start us off, please? And could everybody else please mute? Thank you. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and Every now and then I just like to say I do spell my name L-E-S-A in case someone, sometimes people try to reach me and they can never find me. So it was suggested I say that. Um, I want to share on the line, um, let's see here, and but for the intervention of an understanding person I might have followed in their footsteps. So minimizing this illness has been what I've done my whole life. I I have rationalized and thought, you know, it's not as serious as drug addiction. It's not as serious as alcoholism. Guess what? It is. It really, really is. But um, 
when I came on this phone line and started hearing for the very first time recovered voices, people that have recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and I love that word seemingly, because, you know, this illness convinced me that I'll never recover, that I'll never really experience um, rest and peace inside. I have been trying to find a peaceful place to be in this life, um, and I just never thought it, I never thought it was possible. I thought abstinence was the goal, and for God's sakes, how do you stay abstinent? It is just so darn painful and hard. I could get abstinence. I could never stay abstinent. And then when someone cracked this book open, someone in whom the problem has been solved and showed me the different places in the big book of describing what it is to be recovered in mind and body, I need to have a spiritual awakening. I need to have a personality change, like it describes in Appendix 2, sufficient, you know, to recover from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And how do I do it? I get entirely abstinent. How do I do that? I need to understand what entire abstinence means, as Dr. Silkworth describes. And there are many podcasts on this Vision for You uh, website that really clearly break that reading and that chapter down. And then I need to do the work like my life depends on it. And that was my biggest thing. I kept minimizing, thinking it's really not that serious. I needed to see the sense of urgency that I will die perhaps a long time in my spirit and soul before my body actually gives out. And I could actually live to be 100 years old and never get recovered and just be a dead person, you know, inside. And I had been living like that for so many years. So for me, I am so grateful for the understanding person that was able to help me understand what a real compulsive overeater is versus a hard eater and why I need to get recovered. So, um, and I have a place of rest and peace to live this life and inside of me. And there is a peaceful place and we're at home. You know, I'm home here in Overeaters Anonymous. So thank you, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Katie G. Thanks, Lynn, and thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the only chapter of the book primarily penned by someone other than Bill Wilson. I know the question comes up about two wives. Did Lois write it? No, Bill did. This chapter was written by Hank Parkhurst. Hank uh, got drunk not too long after the book came out, but during the time that he wrote this chapter, he was perfectly sober. What we're going to be talking about in this chapter primarily is the waste that this addiction brings about in in humanity. The saddest words of tongue or pen are these few words, it might have been. What we could have been, what we could have done with our lives is astounding were it not for the disease of compulsive overeating. And many of us accomplished great things even with this disease. Many of us did not. And each one of us has a hole in our heart for someone or some people that we lost to this disease who we loved very much. And there are people who are worried about us or were worried about us, excuse me, when we were in our disease as well. Um, I told this story on this line many times, but most of the adults that I knew in my life came out of the concentration camps of Europe, the DP camps, the displaced person camps. 
and they would grab my face as a child and they would say something to me I did not at that time understand at all. They would say, live until you die. That we must live until we die means that we have to maximize our service to God and the people about us. And the only way I know to do that is to live in the recovery in the sunlight of the spirit. When we're in the food, we are this waste. We are part of this waste of humanity. It's just an unfortunate situation. Um, when we're in the we're, when we're in recovery, I can't talk this morning. When we're in recovery, we can do so much, so many things that we never knew before. Certainly, business has changed since the 1930s. The world has changed since the 1930s. We're going to be reading and discussing some things that really are not apropos in the world we live in today. But the universal truths are there. And the universal truths are constant that this disease will suck the life out of you long before it puts you in the grave. And the recovery will put life into you. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Katie G., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G., recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. When I read this, um, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong with my interpretation, but what really caught my eye and my heart is the kind of waste that goes unabated, which means full strength. Um, and I think about the hours that I spent eating that I was paid for, right? The hours that I was working and I was eating or I was surfing the internet or looking for grad school programs, you know, and, um, and I was being paid to be an employee. And then I think about the hours that I spent in healthcare that I was leaving work and exercising on the clock, being paid for that. And thank you, God, you know, I need everyone to know that, um, that brought me to the brink of eating, and I'll never forget calling somebody who I ne didn't even know, and she's not in these rooms anymore, and saying to her, I need to tell you that I'm doing this. Why? Because lying, I lie because I'm afraid I'm going to lose something, and lying leads me to a place that is so devastating that eating is my only solution. It is a step up. It is relief. And thank you, God, I didn't. And thank you, God, I made amends um, with the help of a professional who shared my profession. Like, only God can do that, right? And I made that amends. You know, and I have to ask myself when I'm at work, you know, am I doing my job or am I taking a tenth step? Am I doing program work and thinking, yeah, you know, it's okay for me to be doing this because I'll be a better employer, employee when I'm, I'm wasting the clock, you know, and what is my employer paying me for? And I remember when I realized I had to get off this line in the morning um, and, and somebody in whom the problem had been solved said to me, that's so great. That's so great. You're gonna, God's going to use this, and you're going to show up at your job. And I got to start feeling what it felt like to clock in and clock out and be honest. And thank you, God, too, for the employer 
this woman that I, when I went to make my amends to her, she knew what I was saying, you know, because I could have gone to jail. She knew what I was saying. And because of her grace, you know, I was able to not go to jail and live a functional life. So these are life and death issues for me. Am I lying? Am I operating on fear? Or am I operating on faith? Am I operating on God? And I pray, God, help me operate on you today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Matt M. Good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. <clears throat> you know, um, they, it, it's interesting. I, I love the shares. Um, we get a lot of different um, viewpoints. I, th- I think to some extent they're, they're all right, you know. On the one hand, there's a lot of paradoxes in this program. I'm not responsible if someone is going to take their life, if this disease is going to take them out and they're not going to pick up the spiritual toolkit, uh, perhaps laid at their feet, you know, we're nobody's divine savior, right? Willingness is an inside job. And yet the paradox is perhaps, you know, we have a responsibility pledge when we get well. You know, I am responsible when anyone anywhere reaches out for help. You know, we want the hand of OA, of AA, always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. Again, I'm nobody's divine savior. Never was, I'm not, never will be. Yet I cannot deny that we can help when no one else can. Fundamental to this program is one compulsive overeater with with the message of depth and weight carrying the message to the still suffering compulsive overeater that's fundamental in this program you know there are literally thousands of people who are in the midst of a process a process of dying of this disease and they may they don't they don't know it so so what we do is we remain on the firing line right we plant the seed recognizing that we're, we're limited. That's, that's embedded in our program. We have limitations. Isn't that what this is? We have limitations. We're not God. And while some people will not pick up the kit, I can't tell you how many people who honestly, I, when I encountered them, maybe you felt the same way, I thought, not, not a chance, not a chance. <laughs> you know, I'd never say it. Not a chance they're ready. And lo and behold, see, God had a different plan for them. They were ready. And maybe they, the seed was planted by me, and they weren't ready with me, and they got ready later. That happened to me. If you first met me, wrapping up here, if you first met me, I, I, I would have been one of those people. Not a chance with this guy. No way. Too much pride. And then I became ready, and then God changed me. He did for me what I could not do for myself. With that, I passed. Thanks. Thank you, Larry K. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Linda M. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a compulsive overeater over here in New Jersey. Yeah, um, I've had a lot of different jobs over the year, so many different jobs. And um, I know the reason I went from job to job to job because I couldn't keep a job was because I was in the food and very active in this disease. My very last job, I had someone who kind of came to me, my OA angel, her name is Audrey, and uh, she was the one who planted the seed and told me that away. And um, 
I finally got fired from that job. As, as most of my job, I, I either quit or I, let, I got fired from due to getting, being inappropriate with people because my, my, my relationship with people were so screwed up because, again, I was so high in the food and just all about me, very selfish, egotistical, and self-centered and forcing my, myself on people, wanting to be friends with them, whether it's being overbearing, whether it's being other other ways with people. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got fired from my last job, but she planted the seed that I wanted to go into my first meeting a few months after I got let go from my last job. And um, I honestly, I'm grateful that I had those jobs. I was able to get SSD. I'm on disability right now, and we're going to get off of that looking for work right now. And it's a big difference for me. It's been over 11 years since I've worked last. And um, I'm scared and I'm, I'm worried, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to surrender my, my, um, willing, my willingness and I'm going to surrender myself to God, my higher power, because, again, it's, it's, I'm, doing, I'm going to do the footwork and he's going to take care of the rest, you know. And um, I'm just grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm abstinent, I'm recovered, and I don't have to worry about um, myself as much as I used to. People are seeing a difference in me. They're seeing a change in me. And I said, it's not me. I don't see all the changes that people said they're seeing in me. It's because I'm not as egotistical or self-centered as I was. I still have my moments. Believe me, I'm a compulsive overeater to the day I die. But I'm seeing a big change in my behavior and my attitude and how I treat others and people are noticing it. And they're responding to me. They're opening up to me. They're coming to me. They're, they're offering their hand in friendship. People have uh, like just been so kind to me, and I'm really grateful for that because I need I need the support too, and I'm so, I'm really going out there and supporting others because now it's time to give back. But I'm just grateful. I'll just surrender the um my ability to get a job to God, and He'll take care of the rest. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Linda M. It's your turn. Press star one, Linda M. Thank you ever so much for your service. And thank you for allowing me to share this morning. I can relate very well to the gentleman in the story as I have been in his position. Um, I have had to let people go from their um, positions because of their alcoholism. I have had to deal with a brother with alcoholism who committed suicide because of his being let go from employment uh, because of an injury to his back and not being able to work and um, his alcoholism interfering with his mind and um, distorting his situation. And um, just just seeing how how my own disease flared at that time when I was first in OA and and dealing with my own addiction to food and not really seeing his problem in front of me and um being there to help him with his situation um Granted, I was not able to stop him from his suicide. He would have done it one way or another. But um, it it definitely blinded me from seeing what was going on with him. And um, being a food addict is always being a food addict. Uh, I will I will one day be cured of this disease as other people in this program have. I am newly back to OA and 
trying to get recovered, and I am going to be there very soon. I will... um, I have been an employer who has had to let people go from their positions because of their food food addictions and their alcohol addictions. Um, They have not been able to perform their duties at their job properly, and um, it is not a nice position to be in. Um, it is not a good position to be in at all. Um, and with that, I pass, and I thank you for allowing me to speak today. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Linda M. For those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 136. Chapter 10 to Employers, starting with Among Many Employers Nowadays, reading through six paragraphs, ending with Helped by Better Understanding All Around, and comment on all six paragraphs. If you'd like to share, please say your name just once, as it helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Richard B. Laura R. Amy G. from Maryland. Laura B. Maya M. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. I missed a couple of people, okay? I heard uh, Richard B., Amy G., Marilyn, Leah M., and Karen. I missed somebody between Richard and Amy. Pamela R. Was that Pamela R.? Yep. Okay, great. So I think we've got a lineup here now. I've got Richard B., Pamela R., Amy G., Marilyn, Leah M., and Karen. We'll see if we can get everybody in. Richard B., could you start for us, please? Thank you. Uh, Good morning, everybody. My name is Richard B., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Ireland. Um, Oh, man, do I relate to this paragraph so much. Um, I lost two jobs because of my addiction. And the last one that I lost, um, I was working in a gas station uh, during the night, so I was the only one there. And um, I was so into the food, I was stealing food from the shop and cooking it in the oven there, in in the deli. And um, I was stealing money in order to buy food in my own time. And it, and I was, I was so into the addiction back then. I was chewing and spitting food in order to reduce my calorie count. And um, I was found out by the employer, and my employer wasn't understanding. And I don't blame him one bit. Um, I, I was called in for a meeting, and I was fired. Um, but what that, I, I predicted that that was going to happen at that meeting, and. I had prepared to take my life and I loaded up the trunk of the car with medications and I am so grateful that my wife sensed that there was something wrong. God had told her and she drove me to that meeting and when I came out and said that I had lost my job, 
um, she turned around and said, is there anything else you want to tell me? And I broke down in tears and I told her. And I was driven straight to the hospital and spent some time in the psychiatric ward. Um, for today, I have a daily reprieve from this disease by working the program. I don't believe I am cured. I don't believe I will ever be cured. But I am given a daily reprieve, providing on the terms that I work my program. And that can be difficult for me at times. And lately I found it a little shaky. Um, but I, I've come back to clinging to the program. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm really grateful to be here. And my message to the newcomer would be, if, if you are in, in the food, seek your recovery now and work hard on your recovery now because you don't want to be in the situation that I was in because you might not be so lucky. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Richard B. Pamela, it's your turn, followed by Amy G. And if you could give us the initial of your last name, please. Yes, good morning. I'm Pamela B. Um, from Detroit. Um, B as in boy. So grateful to be here. Thank you so much, moderator. You know, as I was listening to the reading and um, was digesting what I what I heard, what I what I was able to ascertain from it was, you know, experience I had as an employer, um, where I couldn't get up in the morning to get to work on time, you know, and I couldn't understand why my boss picked on me. You know, at that particular time, I had no idea what food, you know, how food affected me. I, I, I had no concept of, of what this thing was called, you know, overeaters and, and food addiction. I really didn't, you know. And this reading, um, you know, the, the writer talks about, you know, getting an understanding. Well, even being in the disease, I, I didn't have an, I mean, I didn't have an understanding, and I didn't know that it was a disease. So you really can't give something you really don't understand, or and you can't help people uh, who, if you don't understand it, how can you help? So, uh, you know, I can certainly understand that that was shared earlier. Um, I know for me how important it is today, if nothing else, for me to be in a position today to at least have that that empathy for people today. That's what this has given me, being in this program now for 12 years. You know, I'm able to identify with other people as they go through that pain. Whether or not I'm able to help them, I don't know. You know, there have been sponsors I've had to let go because they have been in the food, and I do understand that I only harm them and possibly uh, lose the potential to help somebody else if I am, you know, trying to to drag them along when they're not willing to, you know, grab a hold and get aboard uh, of the train, the recovery train as I see it. So I am grateful because this reminds me, you know, to be compassionate that there are people out here that we're not going to be able to help, but there are those that we can, and when we can, we will. So I, I think that's all I have to say, and I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Pamela B. Amy G., it's your turn, followed by Marilyn. 
Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. Uh, in my humble opinion, I think it bears repeating in, in these paragraphs, the, this this employer is, employer is talking about these people that have committed suicide that are brilliant, the best, exceptional men, the best salesmen he ever had. I, you know, there's a, there's a saying in the rooms that goes, you know, it's an equal opportunity disease. And it doesn't really matter how rich how I am, how poor I am, how even how smart I am, or how brilliant I am. This disease can take me down, and it can take us all down. And I, I remember there was a meeting I used to attend where the, the guy would say that, you know, this disease wants you dead, D-A-D, D-E-A-D, dead, but it would be happy to destroy your life in the process of killing you. And that, in all seriousness, is what this disease is about. And oh, so much to sow for me as a compulsive overeater, spending decades in this disease completely uh, ravished emotionally, physically, and spiritually by this disease. And, uh, you know, physically in ways that, as a bulimic, that uh, are beyond imagining. And, and that's what this disease does to us. But for the grace of God, this program, and what it says, another understanding person. And a person that means they, they understand where I've come from. And, you know, and, and working with others, it talks about this in the chapter in more detail about that we have the power of carrying a being recovered and carrying a message of depth and weight that can help change and save lives. It's an incredible responsibility that I take very, very seriously for my own recovery and being able to then pass it on to someone else. We need more of us out on the fire line. We need to be recovered first. And then we need to be carrying this message that has this ability to change it. I'm just a messenger. I'm not God, and I, am not, I do not have the ability. But I need to be there to put that kit of spiritual tools at someone's feet. And there, yes, as everyone has said, again, repeating, as everyone has said, someone else is going to have to pick it up. But i got to be there. And that's my responsibility. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, as, as I believe the big book says, to be of maximum service to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Marilyn, it's your turn, followed by Leah M. And if we could have the initial of your last name, please. Press star one, Marilyn. Okay, we don't seem to be hearing Marilyn. Leah M., can you step in, please? Sure can. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, You know, I was one of those people that was called into the office by my boss uh, in the 80s out of his concern and the other employees' concern over my anorexia. Um, But more on that another time. (laughs) Um, This comment, this statement, I had been obliged to discharge him for drinking, though he was brilliant, alert, and one of the best organizers I have ever known. You know, one of the blessings, one of the many blessings of working with other people um, has been watching them come back to life. You know, watching those God-given talents and strengths um, that lay dormant um, come back into someone's life. Um, You know, many of them were already successful, 
Uh, however, you know, compulsive overeating and particularly obesity is like suicide on the layaway plan. Uh, these people that perhaps, you know, held high positions, experienced isolation, deep depression, and suicidal thinking. Um, I certainly related to that. And, you know, compulsive overeating is one of those diseases I know from personal experience that, you know, it grabbed me by the roots of my hair and dragged me on the sidewalk. It took me to depths much deeper than I ever expected. It kept me longer than I wanted to stay. It took me further than I wanted to go, and I ended up having to uh, pay more than I wanted to pay out of this disease. Believe me, my dream was not to be on a line like this every morning. I had much greater dreams for myself uh, than to identify myself as a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, Much greater. But, you know, It's fascinating as I look back on the years of working with other people, what has come, you know, out of their, out of their breaking free out of the chains of addiction. Um, You know, people say perhaps the greatest loss is dying. I think the greatest loss is dying inside while you're still alive. But part of the transformation that I've seen, you know, one of my sponsees, uh, you know, became a comedian on the on the comedy circuit, uh, and is still, you know, you might see her uh, on TV on occasion. Uh, another one used to be when she was a kid, you know, she she was uh, quite. Uh, talented, you know, with instrument, with a musical instrument, and she put it down as a result of her disease, and now she's in a, you know, a major orchestra. People go back to school. There's someone I work with that's now an executive of a major, major corporation. It's been exciting to witness what is possible when we let go of the crutch of compulsive overeating, and we allow God's talents and God-given strengths to come forward, how much we can contribute to family, community, and the world at large. What a blessing that is. What a gift. And it's possible. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Leah M. Karen, it's your turn. And if you could give us the initial of your last name, please. Hi, it's Erin M. from just north of Boston. And I've never shared before on this line, but I just, um, it, this just struck me today. Um, I'm uh, someone who is a, a perfectionist all my life. I'm Erin, I'm, I'm an anorexic and bulimic. And so I was the perfect student as a child. I was complete mass chaos in my house with an alcoholic father and a, a food addict for a mother. So my way of controlling things was to be the perfect student. And so I was a straight-A student, and a straight-A student, and I went on to college, even though college wasn't even mentioned in my house. And so I put myself through college and got a degree in uh, science and occupational therapy and became an administrator for nursing facilities, and I was the perfect employee, too. Um, in fact, my boss came to me. I got st- stellar performances, and he came to me and said, Erin, you need to start going home at night, you know. It, sometimes I would sleep at the facility. Uh, you know, the employees feel terrible because they don't feel like they can leave because you're still there. And but anyway, the whole thing came crashing down on me, and um, and I started my weight started going down, 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 until he said to me that the um, uh, the nurses came to me and they're afraid they're going to have to use the defibrillator on you. Um, I was skeletal, and I I just was in complete denial. And um, anyway, I um, I had been I had, at that point I've been to the hospital four times in that year, and when I was in the hospital, I wanted I was the perfect patient. You know, I would 
I would abide by all the rules, and then that spiraled down on, down on me. I could manage to go into the hospital and leave at almost the same weight that I came in with because I did every trick in the book. Um, and um, and I managed to, you know, when I was in the bathroom, you had to count and sing when you were in there. The doors were all locked. And I could sing in there, go to the bathroom, and exercise at the same time. I mean, I was just, you know, I mean, the ultimate multitask tasker. And then, um, though before long, um, that didn't work anymore. And and we started lighting candles. I came close to death. I was on kidney dialysis. I um I had bed sores all over my body, which I hid, um, and one on my foot that I was walking with a darko boot because my heel was coming through at the weight of 72 pounds. Um, but um, I mean, I could go on and on. But uh, um, we all have someone who we've lost from this disease. I almost lost my life so many times. I have fallen. I have broken. I have a, a shoulder that um, was actually behind me. I kept passing out and finding my my husband would find me all over the house. And at one point, my shoulder was actually be, was detached and behind me. Um, so I still have a pain in that shoulder. But um, when I was at this particular facility. Um, the girl behind me in the room, I heard a big thud on the wall, and I was on bed rest. As usual, I was never off bed rest because I was always in such bad condition, and, and she had hung herself. Um, and so, um, you know, that was traumatic. But um, we, also had a, we also had a tradition that every year we would go. I was there more than I was home after a while, and we had a tradition where we would all meet out in the court and the families would be invited to light candles. Right, Oh, I'm sorry, just wrap and just say we lit candles for all the girls that had died in the last year. And so um, 17 girls had died in the last year, and I lit a candle. And um, anyway, I'm talking too, too quickly because I'm nervous. But um, I thank you all, and, um, and I relate and identify each time I'm on. Um, and next time I'll slow down. Thank you. Thank you, Erin M. Laura R., I think I heard you there. Are you, did you want to share? This is Laura R. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. <clears throat> Please go ahead. Sorry, I did take my speaker off. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is Laura R., compulsive overeater from Colorado. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm nervous, too. <laughs> but I just had to share because so many things were coming up for me um, I that are throughout the book. And the first thing I was thinking of is thank God for... I think it says in we agnostics for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. And I am so grateful for, for that calling out that comes in my heart um, before I walked into recovery for, in regards to compulsive overeating the last two years, um, God has been screaming at me and I have been unwilling to listen. And, um, and that's when I would try every imaginable remedy, you know, going into Weight Watchers or trying intuitive eating or, you know, just no, 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 no. Like I do not have a disease. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not the compulsive overeater and I didn't even know what that was. And I think I heard, I mean, how I, I have a disease that tells me I don't have it. So I'm going to try every, the easier, softer way in every situation possible. And, um, and that's what I did. And But thank God for that spirit within because, you know, I had to get honest with myself that those things didn't work. It's funny, the last thing I, um, the last place I, I was at was at a therapist's office and um, she was trying to teach me con- uh, intuitive eating. And <laughs> and I intuitively ate my way to uh, almost an entire cake. So it was just like, this, this isn't working for me. And so what I was thinking of this morning is thank God when I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, 
there was a woman who was recovered and she shared with me what entire abstinence meant. And because uh, I didn't understand that again, like I'll put down a couple of foods and I'm still eating the ingredients and, you know, still getting triggered. I didn't understand the allergy. There's just so many things to try to understand with this program. And um, last night it was so amazing. So I was at a meeting and there was two recovered people in the room and a woman asked what entire abstinence was. And it's so amazing to be able to know but she got taken care of. Two people shared. They uh, shared what entire absence was. Who, who, both those women had been through the big book. They were covered. And afterwards, they circled her. They gave her information and um, got her as a temporary sponsor and got her on the work if she chooses to do so. Um, that, thank God, like I think someone said, when the hand of, you know, when someone comes and the hand of AA or OA reaches out and uh, and we need to be there. And so, I don't know. I'm just absolutely grateful. Thinking also about when I was in my disease a long time ago, not realizing it, I actually wrote inventory because um, I'm in another program. I was so upset that I had a corporate card and my job was to take people out um, to dinners and stuff. And of course, you, I did dessert. I did the bread and butter. I did the appetizer. I spent so much of their money. And the mini bars came on. You know, I wasn't drinking, but I was eating. And it was just, you know, I don't know. So when I get to my inventory piece, I will definitely have uh, some amends to make on that. But I just want to tell everyone, now I'm on step two. I'm, I'm doing the work with the sponsor and I want to recover so I can carry the message because so many people out there are dying and at least getting them to understand, you know, what Fine, this disease entails. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Laura R. We have time for one two-minute share if somebody would like to take Just that time. Vanessa K. Please. Okay, I think I heard Nancy L. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Nancy L. in Arizona. When I was a child, I went to a new school every single year. You ask, well, what does that have to do with, with this subject? It has everything to do with it because I got used to going to a new school every single year. My father was an alcoholic, and he would get a job, and it would last about 10 months, and we would move. Well, when I graduated high school, I got a job, and guess how long it lasted? One year. And I continued this behavior for a couple decades, never making above minimum wage because I was always changing my job. And I was always eating and eating and eating. Sometimes I got fired. Most of the time, I just quit. And I didn't even give any notice. I just left. And what a, what a yucky way to live. And, you know, I just am saying that to say, I don't believe there was ever one time I stopped and thought, you know, hmm, maybe it's me. Could I be the problem here? No, no, no. It was always either the coworkers or the boss or I wasn't making enough money or I was working overtime and not getting paid, whatever. But never once did I just stop and take a good, hard look at my behavior until I came into the rooms of OA and I, and I saw a few people that had the same problem I did with food. And it was just absolutely taking my entire life, my joy, my peace. Just like all of you say, you know, it was a slow death. And I am grateful to be out of that for today. And, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy L. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Friday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, October 12th, is 12037. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read A Vision for You 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Lauren Ann. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.